The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark from the ninth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our Gospel reading is from St. Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29, and can be found on page 1568 in the Pew Bible. Mark records, When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and they ran to greet him. What are you arguing about? Or what are you arguing with them about, he asked. And the man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son, who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. And he foams at the mouth, and he gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion, and he fell to the ground, and he rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into a fire or water to kill him. But if, but if, you can do anything. Take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me to overcome my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked and it convulsed him violently and came out. And the boy looked so much like a corpse that many people said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, and he lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. And after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And Jesus replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? 
May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Today we're going to talk about sincerity and it seems uh, also appropriate to say um, if I'm sincere, if I try really, 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 really hard, can I stop from sinning? The answer is no. If I try really, 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 really hard, can I stop from my tongue being, stop my tongue from setting the world on fire? Probably not. So what am I to do? Well, I'm glad you asked that. Let's listen. In the next month or so, in October, as has been ever since I can remember, and I think it's the early 60s when this came out, there will be a program that is run near Halloween, and it's called, it's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Has anyone ever heard of that? And we know that it centers on a a little boy, Linus Van Pelt, I think is his last name, Van Pelt. And Linus is convinced, he's very sincere, that there is a certain entity called the Great Pumpkin. And the show focuses on Linus' faith in the Great Pumpkin. You see, Linus believes that every year on Halloween, the Great Pumpkin rises out of the pumpkin patch and he brings presents to boys and girls who are really, really sincere. And every year, Linus plants his pumpkin patch with the hope that this year will be the year that the great pumpkin will choose to rise out of his pumpkin patch. And Linus even works hard to make sure that even the pumpkins look sincere. And every year, Linus tries to maintain a vigil so that he can witness the great pumpkin rise out of the patch. He works diligently to become more and more sincere so that his pumpkin patch will be worthy of hosting the great pumpkin. Many people believe that it is Not so important what you believe as long as you are sincere. Did you hear that? Some people think it's not important what you believe as long as you are sincere in your beliefs. They know that hypocrisy is wrong. So 
conversely, if hypocrisy is wrong, they believe that sincerity, sincerity must be right. And in this age when people talk about going with what feels right in your gut or search your feelings to determine the truth or what's in your heart, in this age that says if it feels right, do it, we often get the impression that the universe will work to make the right thing feel right. Or that the universe will somehow sense our beliefs and the universe will change to accommodate us. And one would think that the events of the last 20 years would work to change this attitude in society. Just yesterday, it was the 20th anniversary of the tragic destruction of the Twin Towers of the World Trade Center, as well as a wing of the Pentagon building, as well as a jet airliner going into the ground. And the misguided men who committed these horrible atrocities were some of the most sincere men on the face of the planet. They were absolutely convinced that they were doing their false God's will. They were absolutely convinced that they were fighting for a noble cause. They were very sincere, but they were sincerely wrong. They were followers of a completely evil ideology known as Islam. And yet, we still hear so many people urging us to trust our inner feelings. We hear so many people urging us to look into our inner being and find our own path. And there are even people who teach that Jesus had the power to do so many amazing things simply because he was truly one with his inner feelings. These people even maintain that anyone who could become one with the Christ, one with Christ's consciousness inside of them, could also do amazing things, the same amazing things that Jesus did. There are people that are teaching that. Now, in today's gospel, Jesus said, All things are possible for one who believes. And many people take a verse like this out of context. They actually believe that Jesus was telling us to believe in ourselves and all of our dreams will come true. 
They point to other verses, such as the time Jesus said in Matthew 17, verse 20, if you have faith, like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. And then these people say, all you need is a little faith in yourself, and then you will be successful. You will be happy. You will be wealthy. You will be healthy, and so on. And today's gospel, it demonstrates the fallacy of that kind of thinking. Stay with me here. There are two, two different examples of misplaced faith in today's gospel. The first was the disciples. The disciples, the disciples should have known better. And there was another example in the father with the demon-possessed son. Let me unpack that for us. Jesus had taken Peter, James, and John up on the mountain to witness his transfiguration. Now, while Jesus and the boys were away, the remaining nine disciples were left behind with no adult supervision. And while the nine disciples were waiting for Jesus and the others to return, a father approached them. And he had a demon-possessed son, and he asked for Jesus. And the disciples most likely told the father that Jesus would be back later in the day and that they could take a look while they were waiting. Now, in the disciples' defense... They had exercised demons before. In Luke 10, we read that Jesus sent 72 disciples out to do mission work. And when they came back, in verse 17 of Luke 10, it informs us that the 72 returned with joy. They were excited. And they said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And so they did have a little experience with demons. Even so, this demon wasn't having any of it. He wasn't leaving. And apparently their attempts to make it leave had attracted a crowd that included some scribes. And so now we have the situation at the beginning of today's gospel. It's what it's describing, that Jesus returned from the mountaintop with Peter and James and John, only to find the remaining nine disciples surrounded by people and arguing with the scribes. And Jesus took a little bit of time to sort out the situation, and he scolded the disciples. He said, oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? And the disciples, well, they had fallen into a trap that is as old as the nation of Israel. What is that trap? Well, 
How often do we read in the Old Testament that God blessed the Israelites and the Israelites then began to believe that they were responsible for their own success? These nine disciples had a similar problem. The Holy Spirit had worked through them to expel many demons. They had grown complacent and they began to rely on themselves. They had become careless. Stop for a second. At the end of that scripture, they asked Jesus, why didn't he come out? Do you remember what his answer was? These ones only come out through prayer. Do you think that these guys had forgotten to pray? I do. And so do we. Back on track. The object of their faith, these disciples, had switched from God back to themselves. They had come to the point that Jesus had to call them a faithless generation. Ouch. The Father shows a different kind of misplaced faith. The Father of the demon-possessed Son. He had placed his faith in many earthly cures. And he had been disappointed. When he asked for help, the disappointments of the past came through. And that's why he said to Jesus, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. The world, the world had disappointed him so many times that his request, when he made it, he had no confidence he expected disappointment once again. Now the evil threesome, the evil threesome of the devil, the world, and our own sinful nature, they constantly try to make us like those nine disciples or like that father. They will tell us that we don't need to read God's word every day. Don't you believe it? They will tell us that we no longer need Sunday school now that we have been confirmed. Our tired body, they will tell us that it is way too hard to get to church before 9 a.m. so that we can worship, hear God's word with our brothers and sisters in the family of Christ. The forces of evil will do everything they can to separate us from God's word. They want us to become complacent. They want us to begin to rely on ourselves instead of God. And they seek to replace our faith with our faith in God with faith in ourselves or some other false spirituality. Now the cure for that complacency. The cure for that false spirituality lies in Jesus Christ. It lies in Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, the cross that takes away our sin and declares us holy in God's eyes. And just as he restored new life to the demon-possessed son in today's gospel, he also restores new life to us. Just as he drove 
the demon out of this young man. He drives sin out of us. Just like that demon-possessed kid. He drives the sin out of you and out of me. The comfort. The comfort of this gospel is that in spite of the fact that Jesus called the disciples faithless, because they were, in spite of the fact that the Father's faith was weak, and it was, if you can, is what the Father said. And Jesus, despite all that, he still threw the demon out of the body of that boy. And at the sound of God's word, the demon had to leave. And the power of his healing depended on God, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and not on our faith, and not on the faith of those who observed the miracle. It didn't. It didn't depend on their sincerity. And the evil men who flew those airplanes into those buildings 20 years ago, they had a tremendous faith. They were willing to die. They were willing to kill for their beliefs. And now they are with Muhammad, suffering in the eternal torment of hell. They were sincere. They were evil. And they were sincerely wrong. Now, on the other hand, we can bring the youngest infant to the waters of baptism where the Holy Spirit will start a faith that leads to eternal life with God. That infant does not even have the mental capacity to even know about faith. Yet, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that infant is a member of God's family. God says so. And the exorcism in today's gospel reminds us of baptism. When Jesus drove the demon out of the sun, our gospel says it came out. And the boy was like a corpse. So that most of them said, he's dead. And through baptism, we too die. We die a death. And that death is our old sinful nature. It's dead. And it drowns in the waters of baptism. And then, just as Jesus took the boy by the hand and lifted him up, baptism also gives us a new and holy nature. And God adopts us into his family, and we become brothers and sisters of Christ, and his father becomes our father. And we live with the sure and certain knowledge that we shall rise from death, even as Jesus himself rose from the dead. And we shall ascend, even as he ascended. And we shall live forever with him in righteousness and blessedness forever. The Holy Spirit 
works to give us a faith that believes in God's grace, not in our own works. He calls us to believe in the one who is the way, to believe in the one who is the truth, to believe in the one who is the life. He calls us to believe in the one who drives out demons and gives us true life instead. And he calls us to believe in Jesus Christ. Faith in the world will fail. But faith in Jesus Christ will last forever and ever. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen.